Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Greetings and thanks for joining us for episode 61 of the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. And this time we are chatting with Craig Ballantyne, who's got some fun perspectives about identifying, crafting, and executing your perfect day. So you're going to learn, one, how to plan the perfect day, two, a simple time management trick to skyrocket your productivity, and three, approaches to cultivating self-discipline now by creating a vision of your future. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep61. Or if you'd like to get those takeaways all the faster, sign up for the Gold Nugget email list over at awesomeatyourjob.com where you can read the wisdom from Craig and our 60 other guests and all the guests to come in a handy email that is delivered to you and it can be read in under two minutes as well as the archives which you access. So the Gold Nugget email list over awesomeatyourjob.com is where you can find that. So here's a quick bit about Craig. Craig Ballantyne is a productivity and success transformation coach from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and the author of The Perfect Day Formula, How to Own the Day and Control Your Life. He's been contributing to Men's Health Magazine since 2000. And in 2001, Craig created the popular home workout program, Turbulence Training. On his journey to success, Craig had to overcome crippling anxiety attacks, and he beat them with his five pillars of transformation. Today, Craig shows men and women how to use the five pillars to lose weight, get a raise, make more money, and achieve other goals and eliminate obstacles in the way of their success. You can read his daily essays on success, productivity, and fitness at earlytorise.com. Here's Craig. Craig, thanks so much for being here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Hey, happy to help, Pete. Well, I'm so excited to talk about the idea of a perfect day. I've imagined that from time to time. I've tried to establish it and uh, sometimes succeed, but more often fail. So maybe you could just give us the background. How did this idea enter your head in the first place? Great question. And so... When I was a young man, I was a personal (laughs) trainer and I was starting an online fitness business. And for people that are listening, they can imagine kind of like P90X, Beachbody. That's what I sell online, which, you know, videos and stuff like that. So I was doing both of those at the same time. And then in 2006, I had my big break where I was able to quit being a personal trainer, which means I didn't have to be at the gym at six o'clock in the morning. And that gave me the ultimate in freedom. But the ultimate freedom is actually dangerous for some people because then it's like, oh, I can get up whenever I want. I can do whatever I want all day. I can work whenever I want. And the next thing you know, after a couple of weeks, you're like, I'm not, uh, I'm actually less productive now than I was when I had a full-time job. And so that set me down the path of becoming more productive. Um, I also had to overcome some anxiety attacks and issues and And so some of the stuff that I learned, I put in the book as well, because you need to have that structure to give you freedom in life is kind of the overriding message. And so that allowed me to become more successful. That allowed me to coach thousands of entrepreneurs and allowed me to see what this system did for them, both financially and personally. And then I put it all into a book because it really is my life's work in a book, in a kit that I put together as well to help people get more done, make more money, still get home on time for dinner, which really means to succeed both personally and professionally, to be able to be present with your loved ones, 
to enjoy doing your hobbies and your travel, but also to be successful and to have an impact on the world. Well, that sounds like something I want. <laughs> so uh, beautiful. That's, that's so cool. So uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about that, that tension or that insight or discovery you've come to the relationship between freedom versus structure. So you're saying freedom isn't really just doing whatever the heck you want, whenever the heck you want. Freedom is, is something different. Absolutely. And if anybody's ever read the book, The Alchemist, then they're familiar with a very famous author from Brazil named Paulo Coelho. And Paulo Coelho has a very excellent quote. He says, discipline and freedom are not mutually exclusive, but mutually dependent, because without discipline, we would sink into chaos. And if you think in this in terms of a regular day-to-day -day analogy like traffic lights, it really does kind of make sense. Because if you think, imagine we had no red lights and we had no stop signs at our inter intersections. Well, what would happen? Well, everyone would be getting into accidents. Uh, no one would be able to get anywhere and we'd have no freedom. We wouldn't be able to safely enjoy going somewhere. And it's the same with our lives. If we really want to have an impact, we can't be you know, goofing around all day long and not getting anything done. Eventually, you would get sick of that. You'd get sick of surfing all day and lying in a hammock mm. all day, drinking margaritas all day. Yes, you would get sick of it. I know people are like, no, I wouldn't. I'd love that. But no, you would get sick of that because you're young and you have this energy and you want to help people and you see the injustice in the world and you want to go out there and do great things. And the only way to achieve great things is to be relatively structured in your days. You know, if you want to be the next Tom Shoes guy who's, you know, making a huge impact but also building a business, you don't do that by sitting around in a hammock. Now, sure, he goes away and has some times where he gets away from the office and he just goes out and he spends time in introspection, but there has to be some work done and there has to be some structure in the life. So that's what the Perfect Day formula is all about, Pete, is really helping people achieve their potential while still giving them a great amount of freedom in their lives. Okay, very good. So tell us, how does one go about crafting or inventing what their perfect day would look like? Well, it really comes down to something that most people don't think about, which is what do they really want their lives to look like? I mean, in three to five years, where do you want to be living? What do you want to be doing with your day? Who do you want to be engaged to or married to? Do you want to have kids? What do you want to name your kids? What do you want your kids to be doing after school? What do you want your family to be involved in? What community organizations? You know, where do you want to spend the winter? Where do you want to spend the summer? How do you spend your Sundays? What do you do with your family, your parents, her parents, his parents? What do you do with all these things? And so what you need to do is sit down and write a movie script for your life as if you are, have already accomplished these things three to five years in the future. And this is called a vivid vision by some people like my friend Cameron Harold. Mm -hmm. But really, it's just simply having a vision for your life. And when you have this vision for your life, it's like having a destination, like knowing exactly where you want to go. So if you want to go to Disney World, you know exactly what road to take to get there. It's the best way to do it. Go this road, this speed on the highway, you're going to get to Disney World in the fastest, shortest amount of time. Now, if you didn't know where you wanted to go, you'd be all over the place and you'd be taking these detours in life and you'd feel struggling and frustrated and stuck like you're spinning your wheels. And that's because no matter how hard you worked, you just don't have a destination. And so that's why young people often struggle because they've never sat down and thought, well, what the heck do I really want? 
And so when you decide that first, then you can go and do all the planning and preparation that I teach people to do and get the coach, the right coach for your life, the person who has achieved what you want to achieve so that they can cut down your learning curve by years and years and years and help you become more successful. And so that's what all of this is about, Pete, so that they, so that people like you can become more successful and take that energy and, and that intelligence that you have that's kind of unpolished and then really turn it into a gem of a life. Well, that sounds beautiful. So what's the the translation? Let's say you have a, a clear vision then associate or a vivid vision associated with all of those components about, you know, what you want to, to see happening in your life some years down the road. So then how do you translate that into, I'm thinking, when I hear perfect day, I'm thinking about, you know, at this hour I wake up, at this hour I shower, at this hour I exercise, sorts of things. How do you bridge that gap? Well, then you know what important actions you have to do. So let's say that someone listening to this wants to write a book. They know that in three to five years from now, they want to have a book done that's you know, helping young people become entrepreneurs in, and make a, a difference in Africa. Well, okay, if that's the case, then I'm going to need some experience. I'm going to need to go and get involved in organizations helping in Africa, maybe like Charity Water, maybe Tom Shoes. I need to get some experience in there. I need to get connected with, you know, these 10 entrepreneurs who are doing things. I need to be able to interview them for an hour or two. And in order to interview them for an hour or two, I have to show, you know, I have to work my way up to get connected to these people. So who do I have to get connected with first? Okay, these people, these people, I need to get involved in these organizations. And you basically just plan this roadmap to this great accomplishment. And then, you know, here are all the things I need to do. And if I'm really focused on this, and all these people bring in these other opportunities into my life, I know that I'll be able to say no to those other opportunities, because they don't get me closer to my goals. And so then you can break it all the way down to, okay, I have to, that means I have to work eight hours a day, four days a week or five days a week in order to accomplish this. And by looking at my personal physiology and my personal habits and my personal productivity, I realize that I am most productive between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So every day I need to be focused on writing this book and on you know making these connections between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. And I have to block everything out. And so that means in order to be productive during the day, I need to be energetic. So that means I either need to do yoga at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. or do some exercise at those times. And I need to eat very well. And so then you figure out, well, okay, if I'm going to do yoga at 6 a.m., I'm going to shower after that at 7. I'm going to eat breakfast at 7.30. I'm going to get into the office at 8 or to my computer at 8. I'm going to take care of some admin. And then at 10 o'clock from 10 till 2, I'm going to work really, really hard. Then I have a lunch break at 2. And then at 4 o'clock, I'm going to be done and spend time with my significant other. And that's how you go from massive, massive goal all the way down to here's what I should be doing on a regular day. And that is how you just dominate your life. Well, so that's really cool. And I'm wondering then, I guess the rubber meets the road at, you know, yes, 10 a.m. in this example, in which there it is. You, you have the, the choice to either comply with your master plan or to, deviate and I guess just do whatever you feel like doing instead. What are some keys for in that moment to just really locking it in and being faithful to the game plan? Yeah, it's a really, really great question, Pete. And a lot of people are going to, quite frankly, are going to have so many opportunities, even at a young age, you know, there's going to be so many things that they can be doing with their time. And when you have something that you want to do that it's you know, the due date is in three years, like you want to have this book done in three years, it seems so far away. But what it comes down to is being proactive in life. 
And so I believe, I like to make this generalization because all generalizations are right, of course. Um, and so I like to make this generalization that there's only two types of people in this world. There are reactive people who struggle and there are successful people who are proactive. So proactive means planning out your days. Reactive means, you know, you're the type of person who, because you watched too much TV last night or too many shows on Netflix, you slept in, you hit your snooze button, you were late to, uh, you know, have breakfast. You So you grabbed like a Frappuccino and because of all that sugar and caffeine, you ended up feeling terrible for the rest of the morning. And so you grabbed some fast food at lunch to try and feel normal, but then you fell asleep in your chair at two o'clock. And then it's five o'clock and you're like, oh, I was really busy today, but I didn't get anything done. And then you have like 14 days of those in a row and you just get so frustrated and you're like, oh, this book is never going to happen. I'm going to quit on this big dream and, you know, do something. I'm going to settle for something else. So that's that reactive approach. But that proactive person is like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to, you know, work from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. on chapter one. So I'm going to write an outline right now so that when you know, that rubber meets the road at 10 o'clock tomorrow, I am prepared to knock out the best 1000 words possible during my most creative time of the day. And so I always tell people that your best day tomorrow starts tonight. The planning and preparation only takes five minutes just to write down here, are the priorities that I'm going to work on tomorrow, maybe a little outline of my work so that I don't come in and stare at a blank screen. And then that way I can be off to the races when it's magic time and, and, and I'm most creative. So hopefully that will help out the people listening and hopefully that will help out you, Pete, with you know preparation for your podcast and for the world domination that I'm sure you want to achieve. Oh, thank you. Yes, much appreciated. And, and so so the proactive kind of you know mindset and gear and, and getting ahead of it is absolutely makes great sense. And I think there's just a crazy stat from Stephen Covey about folks who are proactive have like 20 X plus the results of, of reactive people. I don't remember the number, but it was major. It wasn't like double. It was insane. So, so that makes sense. So, so you got the plan. I'm just thinking about the breakdowns. So you got the plan. You did the outline in advance. It's, it's 10 a.m. And, and maybe this is, doesn't happen to you so much because you've got such a habit of discipline going in your life. But when folks are just getting started, I can see this like, uh, you know, Facebook or whatever is, is calling my name or, uh, you know, Pokemon Go or whatever this distraction du jour <laughs> is. So do you have any kind of, you know, mantras or, or, or kind of things you do to kind of, you know, click it back on the program? Yeah, you know, that's a really insightful question, Pete, because most people don't notice that. And what I've found, what I teach is that most people aren't massively successful in life because of the things that they do. It's because of the things that they're able to avoid. And so if you take a look at somebody in an extreme case, like someone who's an alcoholic, they can be sober six days a week and do the right things. But if they go into a bar on one night a week, all heck is going to break loose and they might spend the next 40 days in a bender. Same with someone who wants mm. to lose weight. They might be doing the right things five days a week, you know, getting a little bit of exercise, eating some vegetables. But then from Friday night through Sunday night, they eat pizza every night. They go and have pancakes and waffles every, every morning. And then they, you know, drink six beers and eat a bag of chips in the afternoon. Well, two days of bad behavior outweighs good, be you know, five days of good behavior by a factor of 10 to 20. And so it really is setting up boundaries in your life. And the great thing is, you know, you use that example of Facebook, you just go and you download something like an internet freedom program that says, you're not allowed to go on Facebook, or you're not allowed to use the internet from 10pm till noon, and you're blocked from the internet on your phone or on your computer. And then that way, you're putting this fence around you. 
And really, that's what all of my discipline has been built in because I am a weak person like anybody else. I I want to check my email first thing in the morning, but I know that if I do, it will send me into rabbit holes that will stop me from having a big impact on life and on other people's lives and really helping people. So I do not allow myself to check email until very late in the morning. I do a whole bunch of other things in order to do that. It's why I get, it's one of the reasons I get up, up very early in the morning because I know that if I get up at the same time as everybody else, it's going to be less time for me to get work done before people start calling me, before I have to do meetings with my team, before I'm tempted to go on ESPN and see who won, uh, you know, the Blue Jays game last night, all this stuff. I am very weak, just like anybody else. And so I set up these boundaries. And it's so what somebody, what I recommend somebody do is I have a free tool on my website at craigvalentine.com forward slash free gift. It's called a time journal. It's very simple. I mean, you could do it without the time journal, but all I want you to do is just write down what you're doing for every 20 minutes of the day for two days straight. And you'll identify where you're most productive. You're going to identify where you are weakest and you know wasting time on the internet or where you are low energy because you didn't eat right or just because when you're naturally low energy. And you're going to have this big aha moment where you're like, oh, look at this time journal. It shows me where I should schedule my work because you know that's where you might find that you're most productive at 10 a.m. in the morning. And it really, really is helpful to know as much about yourself as possible. And when you do that, you can say, okay, here are all the good things I need to foster. And well, you know, here are my weaknesses. I'm a little ashamed of them. And you know, you shouldn't be because everybody has weaknesses. And so you should just go, okay, here are the things I need to protect myself from. If I want to be successful, I can't go to happy hour on Tuesday because then I'm going to ruin my Wednesday morning and, you know, I'll probably still be tired on Thursday morning. So I need to, you know, say no to that for my future. And so it really just is this matter of what I like to call and what truly is called introspection. If someone is willing to look at their habits and to admit where they are wrong and to try and fix their flaws, then they are going to get ahead of somebody who does the same amount of hard work as them, but refuses to eliminate those obstacles and temptations from life. Mm, Okay, thank you. And so I'd love to hear in some of the clients and folks you've worked with, I'd say... Does anyone regret not looking at Facebook or not going to Tuesday happy hour? Like they say, you know what? This trade-off wasn't worth it, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, most of, most of the people I'm helping with have young kids and, and uh, every single extra second they can get with their young kids, they would trade for anything else in the world. Now, you, you know, there's so many examples of us wasting time. And I think even those people still waste time. I mean, we read email newsletters that we don't re- need to read and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, if you want to have these, you know, I don't want people to be put off that there's no fun in this system because there really is a lot of fun. You know, for example, this summer alone, I've spent three weeks in Europe and I'm going to the Olympics for 10 days next week, all because of the structure in my life that has allowed me to to make an impact with my working days so that I'm able to go and enjoy these non-working days in epic adventures. And so, you know, I would trade never going on Facebook for going for the, you know, to go to the Olympics. Yeah. You know, this, I mean, Facebook's and, and random updates about nothing and funny videos, that's always going to be there. And it really isn't going to be something that I'm going to, you know, sit back and say, oh man, I wish I would have watched that video about that dog pooping to that music. I mean, 
I've watched that video and I wish I had that minute back. And so, <laughs> but, you know, to go to the Olympics, you know, this is an incredible event. I'm going to see things that are just going to be memories burned in my brain forever with really, really important people in my life. This is what matters. And so I got to sacrifice a few other things because, I mean, otherwise, I mean, where do you, you, we all have to draw the line somewhere, which is essentially what I'm saying. I mean, you could either watch, you know, Game of Thrones or you could watch Game of Thrones and 30 other television shows, but then you would have no job and you would be broke and you wouldn't be able to afford, afford Netflix. So you have to draw the line somewhere mm -hmm. in your life. And if you really want to make a big impact, you have to draw it a little bit closer than most other people are willing to draw that line. Oh, that sounds tweetable. Mm, yeah. Nice work. <laughs> so could you give us maybe some examples of what are a few lines that you've drawn or clients have drawn or particularly young professionals that have made a world of difference in terms of rules, boundaries, lines, uh, things they're protecting themselves from. So Facebook has come up a couple of times. Happy hours come up. Uh, early arising has come up. What are some other just kind of best practice boundaries you've seen pop up again and again? Great question again. And I want to say one thing. Uh, Again, for people that are listening, going, oh, I do not want to get up at you know six o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning. And the fact is, you don't have to be an early riser in order to use this system. Now, I truly believe that most people are going to have fewer interruptions earlier in the morning, so we're just going to get more done and move ahead closer to our dreams earlier in the morning. Now, you can also do it at night. I have a friend who runs a hundred million dollar a year supplement company, and he works from ten p.m. to three a.m. That is his magic time. But there are very few people who have the discipline to have dinner with their family, put their kids to bed, hang out with their spouse, and then go to work for five hours. Mm -hmm. That is a lot of discipline. And it's very difficult. You know, if you have a social life and you're 27 years old or 23 years old and, you know, you go over to your girlfriend's house and you watch Netflix and then, you know, she wants to go cuddle in bed and you're like, no, I got to go and, and write sales copy. I mean, that's not going to go over very well. It's going to be very difficult for a lot of people to to have the discipline to do that. It's much easier, and easy is a relative term here, for someone to say, I'm going to get up at 6.30 in the morning, even though I don't want to, it's only seven and a half hours sleep, but that's the time if I want to you know, work on my business uh, before I go into my real job, I need to do this. That's a sacrifice I have to make. So that's just the reality of the getting up early aspect that I wanted to share with people. Now, one thing that I rejected for years and years and years, Pete, but made a huge impact on my energy levels was when I eventually started going to bed and getting up at the same time every day. And I know that so many people will re reject this as I did until I was in my early 30s. But when I did it, when I started going to bed at 11 o'clock and getting up at 7 o'clock every day of the week, even on weekends, I was no longer tired on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday mornings. I was no longer tired at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I was able to be much more productive and effective. So if somebody can set in that type of boundary, they'll really get a lot out of it. And so I, I would just say to everybody listening, the next time you have a real lull in your social calendar, like, you know, maybe in January when everybody's kind of like, okay, after the holidays are over, I'm just going to chill with uh, and hang out here and, and kind of get my health back for a couple of weeks. And if you, and around that time of year, when there's no parties going on, you can say, okay, I'm going to try this going to bed and getting up at the same time every day thing for two weeks. And you're going to go, holy cow, I have so much energy all day long and I'm not even drinking caffeine. This is amazing. And then you can try and stick to it on a you know, somewhat regular basis. So that's another boundary to put into place that has really made a difference in a lot of people's lives. And so hopefully that will help people. But around that, I mean, it's just having boundaries around that not to do stuff 
and focusing and then making sure they free up time for their number one priority in life. And that's generally going to be assisted by getting up early before anybody else and just sitting there and having some clear thinking time about either taking advantage of an opportunity in their life or fixing a problem in their life. For example, uh, people that might be in some credit card debt, if they got up 15 minutes early, sat down at their kitchen table and figured out a way to cut expenses or increase their income, and then also uh, research credit cards so that they had a lower credit card interest rate so that they paid less interest each month, they did that six days a week for 15 minutes. In a couple of weeks, they would have paid off that credit card debt faster than if they just tried to do it on their own. So that is another thing I recommend is having some time focused on your number one priority before the world gets in your way. Oh, very cool. Thank you. And so I'd also like to hear, I mean, so with the consistent bedtime, I that sort of happened with me lately and it's been pretty cool. I'm wondering to what extent, whether it's through your through an opportunity you can't pass up like a wedding or from kind of circumstances beyond your control with with a boss, how do you handle kind of the deviations and exceptions that that pop up kind of smoothly and gracefully and, and get back on the horse quickly? Yeah, an- another excellent question. So I do a, have a lot of these what I what are called mastermind meetings, and you know we go to Las Vegas, we go to San Diego, and and I coach like forty people, and so we have these dinners that keep me out well past you know my regular bedtime, and on those nights. What I recommend is you accept the fact that you're staying up a couple hours later, but try not to deviate too much from the wake-up time. And that might mean, okay, tonight I'm just going to get five and a half hours sleep, but then I'm going to get in a nap at lunchtime for 45 minutes, maybe a pre-dinner nap, you know, to catch up a little bit of sleep. And, you know, because the next night we have another dinner, we have another meeting that's going to keep you out late. So the odds of anybody sticking to the regular bedtime seven days in a week is, you know, exponentially low. But being able to stick to your wake-up time is really important because if you start deviating from that and sleeping in an extra three hours like I used to on the weekends, that just throws everything off because then Sunday night you can't fall asleep, right? And we've all felt this. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that anxiety about going back to work on Monday morning. That keeps you up plus the fact that you got out of your regular sleep routine. So you woke up at 10 o'clock and you're not really tired at 10 o'clock when you go, try and go to bed. And, you know, you're tossing and turning and you also watch Game of Thrones. So you're kind of excited by that. And the next thing you know, it's one o'clock in the morning before you fall asleep and you have to get up at seven o'clock in order to get to work for eight o'clock. And then you drag in your butt. And the more you can stick to that earlier wake up time or regular wake up time, the better off you will be. And it's really just a matter of delayed gratification, right? I mean, it's you want to have that sleep in so bad on the weekends because you feel like you've earned it and it's a habit you have from college or your teenage years, but it really is not the best thing for you to do if you want to get ahead in life. Okay, noted. And how about other exceptions and deviations in recovery? In terms of what? Well, I guess that was one boundary, the the consistent bedtime and wake-up time. How about with another one? Okay, so another boundary that I have for me is, uh, is, I mean, I never want to be hungover again because I was hungover a lot in my 20s. And so I have a boundary of three drink maximum and I rarely drink anymore at all. And another thing that I do is, you know, just making sure that I don't have a drink within two hours of bedtime. So that allows me to have what I call cutoffs and it keeps me out of trouble. I mean, essentially I'm building in all these boundaries that keep me out of trouble. If, uh, I mean, I remember the last time that I, you know, had six drinks in a night and I, you know, I slept in very late and I was groggy for the rest of the day. And it just reminds me of like, listen, man, you're too old for this. You really want, I mean, your big goals in life are so much greater than 
you know, staying out late and drinking. And you just have to put these things in a balance, you know, that scale of in one hand, you have short term media gratification of going out and partying Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. I'm happy with making these sacrifices of, you know, not drinking on a Monday night so that I can be in really great shape on Tuesday. And I'm going to work really hard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. I'm going to allow myself to go out for happy hour and have a drink, be social, maybe have a couple slices of pizza. So, but I can still go into work on Friday and be successful and productive. And then Friday night, you know, I'm going to, you know, really get focused on having an amazing dinner with my, my, girlfriend or spouse or whatever. And then on Saturday, it's going to be a total free day. I'm going to spend it with my friends. And then on Sunday, I'm just going to spend more of a personal day and reflection and, you know, plan ahead for the week and prepare my meals and do all these things that allow me to be super awesome from Monday to Thursday. And I don't think that's an unreasonable approach to life. You still really get the value of the people and the experiences. And I look at that as the way I wish I would have lived my late 20s instead of being the Thursday, Friday night out until, you know, three, four o'clock. Um, so again, I'm looking back and saying, this is what I did, guys and girls. Don't make the same mistakes I did because, I mean, I could be so much further ahead in life if I would have set a few more boundaries and you know, maybe grew up a little bit faster. So those are, you know, that's my experience. Everybody's mileage will vary, but I do hope that they take some ideas from this and say, you know what, I'm just going to try this one experiment. And if I get a couple extra hours of work and productivity out of it, I think I can make an even bigger impact. That's fun. Thank you. And you mentioned meal prep on Sunday. So I, I've got to ask with your training background, do you have just a couple pro tips when it comes to training or supplementation or nutrition when it comes to maximizing your daily experience of, of energy and focus and attention and productivity? Yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful question. I'm happy to help with that. I mean, what a lot of this comes down to is consistency and going back to that introspection. So, you know, everything that you do is a science experiment. So if you try a different exercise program for a couple of weeks, you know, make sure you give it a couple weeks shot. If you go do CrossFit or if you go do yoga, just give it at least four weeks to figure out, is this something that I like? Am I getting results from it? Can I keep on doing this? Is it fitting with my schedule? Does it fit with my personality? Until you find that thing that you like. For example, I got interviewed by a guy the other week and he's from Australia and you know he's around my age. And he says, you know, Craig, all that matters to me is I get three 20-minute ocean swims in a week. That's my exercise. It, it reduces my stress. That's all that matters to me. He's consistent. He's found something he loves to do and it gives him the benefits that he's looking for. And so you don't have to train six days a week. You don't have to be fully committed to being a yogi. I mean, you can just find something that gives you the energy boost and, and pleasure. And so same with nutrition. I believe that every diet works for some people. I can't guarantee which diet's going to work for you. I mean, there's individual genetics, there's individual likes. There's some people who would never commit to any diet that restricts bread. And by all means, you don't have to do that if you just want to be healthy and energetic. You shouldn't eat a loaf of bread a day, obviously, but you know, just cutting out all bread because you heard that cutting out all bread is something you have to do so that you end up miserable is not a way to go through life. You don't have to give up alcohol. You don't have to give up chocolate. You don't have to give up anything. But you do have to take a look at how these things affect your body. For me, I know that I can't have more than you know 100 milligrams of caffeine a day. Otherwise, I'm anxious. I can't fall asleep at night. So even though I like the, you know, the alertness that caffeine gives me, I just know that I can't do too much caffeine personally. And so I've learned that by doing the experiments where I've had, you know, different amounts of caffeine and figured out, okay, this is the right amount for me. 
And it's the same sort of thing with any nutrition program. Just go, yeah, I can stick with this paleo program. It's no problem. I really like steak and I don't really care about giving up bread. So paleo is the thing for me. It gives me a ton of energy and away I go. And that way, you know, you don't have to think about all these nutrition things. You can just ignore all the, the latest nutrition information that comes up because you've got something set that you can be consistent with that jives with your exercise program and away you go. So for really for energy and health and fitness and longevity and happiness, Pete, consistency and not getting too hung up on, you know, being neurotic about things really goes a long way. All right. Thank you. Well, well, so now anything else you want to put out there before we shift gears to the rapid fire uh, fast phase? Well, I'll just say one thing is that happiness in life really comes down to the people that you spend the time with and the experiences that you have. And so it's not money. It's not the physical appearance that matters. It's not, you know, having a super cool car. It really is about amazing people and experiences. And that's what I've had the pleasure of experiencing over the years of building businesses with friends and impacting people around the world and, and traveling and just having really, really great times with people, even at home, as opposed to, you know, exotic locations. So just make sure that everybody listening is spending good quality time with people that matter to them, positive people, family, friends, and doing some really cool stuff that they're going to remember forever. Oh, cool. Thank you. Well, so could you kick us off by sharing a favorite quote? Favorite quote is a twist on Winston Churchill's never, ever give up. And mine is never, ever give up on what is important to you. Because sometimes there's actually things that you need to give up on. I mean, you need to give up on binge watching TV shows that aren't worth it. You need to give up on drinking and getting drunk three nights in a, in a week. So there are things that you need to give up on. But when you find something really important to you, never, ever give up on achieving it. Oh, thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or a piece of research? Well, it really comes down to the interval training research that I studied back when I was in college. I just wrote a book. It's now available for pre-order on Amazon called The Great Cardio Myth. And all this research that I found showed that you can get health benefits from very short bursts of exercise. You don't have to go and do 40 minutes of long, slow, boring cardio. You can do these short 10-second, 30-second bursts of exercise in a few minutes a day, a couple of times a week, and you can get the same health benefits. So that was the biggest research that's impacted my life. All right. And how about a favorite book? It would be The Art of Living, which is a small book uh, written by a woman named Sharon LaBelle, and it's translations of the Stoic philosopher Epictetus and his most important lessons. And that book actually led me to the foundation for my book, The Perfect Day Formula. Okay. And how about a favorite tool, something that you use often? I actually have never used an app ever in my life. No and kidding. My Black, and my BlackBerry phone is six years old. So I'm not the most technical guy in the world. I use, uh, I like pen and paper. And that's why, you know, when I mentioned that 15 minutes in the morning with pen and paper, I really believe that getting away from the electronics for just a few minutes and really being able to let your mind do some big thinking with pen and paper is very, very valuable for everybody. Okay. And how about a favorite habit, a key practice of yours that's boosted your effectiveness? I started meditating on January 28th of 2013 after failing at it several times. And I haven't missed a day since of at least five minutes, but most days are 20 minutes. And I tend to get anxious even without caffeine. And this habit of meditation has really calmed my mind. I don't worry too much about what runs through my mind when I meditate. I'm not the type of person who, who insists on blocking out all thoughts. I just really focus on my breathing. And just being able to breathe properly, which I didn't realize I had no idea how to do for the first 30 years of my life, I was breathing in a way that actually increased my stress levels. And when I figured out how to breathe properly and made that a, a part of my daily habits, it's made a huge, huge difference for me. 
Okay, I got to follow up. What's the bad breathing? What's the good breathing? Okay, good breathing is through your belly. You probably heard about belly breaths. In through your nose, fill up your belly. Nice, slow exhalation. And that will actually calm you down. But what actually will increase the stress levels and increase your adrenaline is if you do short, shallow breaths from your upper chest. So if you did that, like if you were going to go into like a UFC fight and you were a UFC fighter, you would do like a couple of short, shallow breaths right before to, to get you pumped up. Or if you were a hockey player going on the ice, it'd be like a couple of short breaths just from like your, your sternum area. And I realized that, you know, when I went through my anxiety attacks, that I was breathing from my upper chest. And I never was doing that belly breathing. And so it was increasing my stress. As I would get stressed out, I would breathe even worse. And it would, it would just be this vicious cycle. So now I was able to, you know, when I was 30 years old, here I was thinking I was a pro in breathing, but I was failing at it. And I got better at it with these lessons through the Qigong, the yoga, all the stuff that I did in order to overcome my anxiety that I finally learned how to breathe properly, Pete. And now I am much more calm. Okay, thank you. And how about a, a favorite uh, a nugget or gem or quote from some of your writings and, and coaching and speaking that really seems to connect with people and gets them nodding their heads and, and taking notes and retweeting and such? Yeah, good question. And so one I just posted the other day, it's a little bit long, but uh, it says, failure isn't bad and failure isn't final. If there's one thing I know after having observed this crazy world for 41 years, it's that you can survive almost anything and come back better and stronger than ever before. So don't let the fear of failure stop you from achieving the success you deserve. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I hope that helps. Would you say is the best way for folks to find you if they want to learn more? I've got uh, that website, CraigValentine.com forward slash free gift. There's a couple of tools in there that aren't in my book, The Perfect Day Formula. Uh, they can watch a, a video about The Perfect Day Formula book and kit at PerfectDayFormula.com. And then if anybody uses Twitter, Twitter.com forward slash CraigValentine. If you just want to send me a quick note, ask me a question, I'm happy to help and, and answer that there. Okay. And, and do you have a, a favorite challenge or, or parting call to action for folks seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? You know, I would just challenge everybody to do two things. One, when they get that lull in the social calendar to try that going to bed and getting up at the same time every day for at least 14 days. And then two, to really carve out 15 minutes a day where they think. Now, it, it should be first thing in the morning, but if it's the last thing at night, that's fine too. Or if it's right after dinner, before dinner. But just sit there and think for 15 minutes about your number one opportunity in life which could be writing a book or it could be solving your number one problem in life, which could be a relationship problem or a money problem. And even with that writing a book, if you sat there and wrote for 15 minutes and you did 500 words, you would have a 30,000 word book, a nice short book in just 10 weeks at 500 words a day. So you can really accomplish great things in just 15 minutes a day. So that's my challenge to people. Oh, cool. Thank you. Well, Craig, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate it and wish you tons of luck. Well, thanks so much for letting me rant and rave, Pete. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, that's good. Oh, thank you. I hope that's resonating. And maybe you're already zeroing in on something that needs to be eliminated from life or a rule or a boundary or a guideline to be adopted. So that's good. I wish you lots of luck with that discipline and making it happen. And again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, the links to things mentioned, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep61. And do please push the subscribe button if you haven't, because I would love for you to keep hearing from all these cool guests, including our next one, Michelle Reyna. She is talking about trust building. It gets real. And I hope you will join us for that one and the next. Peace. 
Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 